Isn't it? Uh, haven't we been having a great, great series? Who, uh, who sat in um, Graham Evans' series and wanted to crawl under a rock? That was me. But it's just been fantastic. And uh, as, as someone who has given their life to communicating God's message and has seen the power of uh, speaking life over people, when you, when you speak something, a God thing over somebody's life and watch them come alive, you understand the power that's in this thing. And, uh, and it's just been great to be reminded that, you know, bitter water and sweet water can't come out of the same tap. And, uh, you know, some, I, I've, over the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to disconnect that bitter water line, you know, that uh, sometimes runs. And it's been an interesting time. So I'm really happy to be, be, be doing the last of this series and to be talking about prophecy. Now, some of you will be going, prophecy, yes! And others will be going, what? And so I'm hoping that both camps will be happy at the end. Okay? So, but I don't know if you ever thought about this. I was sitting in the prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago on Sunday morning. And... I just had this thought drop into my head and, you know, as someone who doesn't really think a great deal, I usually take that to be God, you know, like when <laughs> something drops in your head and you go, wow, that's impressive. Most of the time I just say that wasn't me, you know, because I've experienced and all that sort of stuff. And so I had this thought and I realised that the church was Jesus' dying thought. He, he said, it is finished, thank you. Uh, we're talking about prophecy, but I know from experience that 10 minutes into this message, if I don't have water, I will be speaking in tongues and it will be unintelligible to you. So that's, that's great that that's here. Jesus said, when he said it is finished, we know because at the same time he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. He said to John, John, behold your mother, woman, behold your son. You know, he wasn't thinking about the pain. So when he said, it is finished, it wasn't the pain that he was going through that he was talking about. It was what I came to do in this earth. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for Many. And so we know that his last dying thought, it is finished. He was thinking about the church. But we also know his first resurrection thought was the church. How do we know that? The Bible says, he who ascended is also, sorry, he who descended is also he who ascended. And when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. Ephesians 4 verse 11 and and when you come back tonight um, Adam's going to unpack that for you I I promised I wouldn't really go into it too much because he was a bit concerned so Jesus I said all that to say this Jesus loves the church and so this morning we're going to look at a passage of scripture that basically is talking about how we can love the church so if we can grab that next slide 
we're going to do, go straight into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which is kind of the prophecy and uh, speaking in tongues chapter. So it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially, who can say with me, especially, especially, especially means, especially, <laughs> concentrate on that one. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. He who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries, it goes on to say. They are, they are mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. One of the other translations says for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Uh, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church, builds the church up. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. Sorry. Jesus said, when we prophesy, when we, sp- we speak something from God to people, we build them up. And this is my conclusion. And I'm going to start with it pretty much and finish with it. If you love the church, you'll want to prophesy. Because prophecy builds up the church. Now you're, I know, I know, you're going prophesy, prophesy. Ooh, 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 scared. Ooh, ah, don't know what it's about. Don't tell me. Uh, Or you've been in one of those places where it's been weird and you're going, oh, I don't want to know about that. That was weird. Okay, so today, I've been in the churches where it's weird. I understand what you're saying. And I thought it was weird too. You know, I went, this is weird. So when we want to understand something, and I'm a pretty simple guy, and I like what Jess said today because it resonated with me. Just simple. You know, just simple. Okay, so we go to the next screen. So when we want to know about something, we do the who, what, when, where, and why. You know, I found when we were in Thailand, Thais don't think like that. It's bizarre. They just don't. It's, they're not, their education system doesn't wire that into them. But for us, it's like, we want to find something out. Nikki, Nikki wanted to find out about communion. What did she do? Who, what, when, where, and why? She went and started to research and started to go, okay, I want to understand this. So this morning, I simply want to do a who, what, when, where, and why. I won't do it in that order because it doesn't flow with my preaching, but... Um, But we're going to start with what? So if we can just go to the next screen. Prophecy is the God-given ability to receive a message from God and to to deliver it to another person. Another people. That's excellent grammar. Prophecy is the God-given ability to receive a message from God and to deliver it to another person. Okay? The gift of prophecy is not... I should have put that in capitals with... Red or something, but it is not meant to be mystical. Mystical. I've been in churches where the pastor has stood to prophesy and he looks off into the distance. And I used to sit there and think, is it written on the wall somewhere out there? What's he looking at? You know? And, uh, but it's not. See, When we, when we try and deal with this stuff, yeah, Nikki nailed it this morning. Humans always gravitate towards a religion. 
And let me, let me talk, we'll go back and look at these scriptures in a minute, but mystical, exclusive and infallible. I have lived in churches where that was the perception of prophecy. It had to be mystical because it's spiritual and you want to appear spiritual. And I want to say to you this morning, we don't need to appear spiritual. We are spiritual because we've got the spirit living in us. You know, Jess was talking about an open to heaven today and I got excited because I know sometimes it feels like there's a closed heaven. It feels like we can't touch God. But, you know, that's the genius of the new creation. God said, I understand that. I understand that the devil is going to try and get between you and me and make it difficult for us to connect to one another. So here's my genius plan. I'm going to put the Holy Spirit inside of you. We don't have to go up and down. We can just go, Spirit of God. Come on. And we begin to touch God who's in us. See, prophesying, not prophesying, speaking in tongues, not speaking in tongues, looking out off into the distance, being mystical does not make you spiritual. The Holy Spirit living inside you makes you spiritual. And the last time I looked in my Bible, that was everybody who's a believer. So if you're a believer, you're already spiritual. You don't have to. Work something out. You don't have to work some magic trick to become spiritual. So 1 Corinthians 14.9 talks about the fact that when when unbelievers come in, if you're all just speaking in tongues and it's mysteries, they won't get it. They won't understand it. It's not meant to be like that. It's meant to be simple and direct and encouraging and building up. It's not meant to be exclusive. And this is the other thing that happens with religion. We get a group of people who make it mystical and they say it's exclusive. You know, every you think about every world religion, they have a group of professional people. We call them the clergy. But in, in Buddhism, they're called the Sangha or the Buddhist monkhood. And uh, in, in Islam, they're um, imams. Okay, So there's always this group of people who are exclusive and who do mystical, mystical stuff. And the further you move away from um, a single God-type religion and you start to get into the kind of pantheon of God religions, uh, animism and that sort of stuff, it becomes real weird and real mystical. And we had a friend in Thailand who used to make our jewellery and her brother used to cut himself with swords... In, in part of the shaman practices of the Buddhist religion that he was involved with. It becomes weird and mystical and exclusive and it becomes infallible. You can't challenge me because I'm the mystical man of God. And sad to say, I've, I've confronted that in church life. You can't challenge me because I hear from God. Yeah, maybe. On a good day, maybe you do. But we're going to see... see 1 Corinthians 13, 9, it's probably worth going there. Um, and we, we need to move quickly because I haven't got a rule out of time. I, I would probably need about two hours to do this, but be of good cheer. <laughs> I'm not going to take two hours this morning. And all the people said, Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 9 it says but where there are prophecies they will cease where there are tongues they will be stilled 
For where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. We know in part and we prophesy in part. And then it goes to verse 12 and it says, it's like we're looking through a mirror dimly. And we see like a vague impression. You know, anybody who says, I hear from God and it's, yeah, maybe, maybe. That's not what my Bible says. It says we know in part and we prophesy in part. So it's not meant to be infallible. It's meant to be checked. And we'll move into that. But love is the key. And um, see, one of the great things about being around a long time is you hear all the stuff, you know, and uh, confronted people who say, yes, I know, uh, I know prophecy is good, but if it comes down to a choice between loving people or prophesying, I'm going to choose to love them. Yeah, I know you're not. No, you're not. Because if you really wanted to love them, you'd want to build them up. You'd want to edify them. You'd want to comfort them. You'd want to do all the actions that the Bible says that prophecy is. See, love is not the alternative to prophecy. And that's when when Paul says, I'll show you a more excellent way. He wasn't presenting an alternative. He was presenting the motive. He was saying, I've just told you about gifts of the Spirit in chapter 12. Go back and read it. We haven't got time. I've told you about gifts of the Spirit. I told you that there's going to be a variety of them. Administrations, working, giftings, a whole variety. Just as... We look across the congregation here and no two faces are the same. And, and today, uh, Ellen's not here, so even that one's taken care of. <laughs> I, had a, I had a friend who... I, I had a friend who... Um, well, I, I'm a twin, see, I, I, I've, I've had to do, deal with that all my life. And uh, people would say to me, oh, you're a twin, are you identical? No, she shaves. Um, <laughs> But, but as we look across the congregation, there's, there's no two faces the same. In the same way, the, the way that the, the Holy Spirit works through us will be individual. It'll be different. It'll, it'll come out different. You know, what comes out of Holly will be different to what comes out of Lauren. Not because there's anything wrong. It's just that they're different people with different experience and different anointings and giftings and talents. And God wires us. Because he sees us. That's another thing that God's been speaking to me about. There's, there's so many sermons, not enough Sundays. But you know, when God saw you, when he, when he looks at us, he's not tainted by sin. He's not tainted by our journey. He, you know, some of us have been doing this a long time. And one of the sad things about doing it a long time is I've made more mistakes than you have simply by virtue of time and opportunity. And days, and hours, and minutes, and seconds. You try working out how many seconds you've been alive. I'm 60 next year. That's a lot of darn seconds. But see, God doesn't look at me on the basis of what I've done. He looks at me in innocence, because that's who he is. And how he created me. And we say, does God love the Muslim man? Absolutely. Does he love the jihadist? Absolutely, because he doesn't look at him on the basis of his actions. He looks at him on the basis of intentional purpose, the first thing. I saw you in your mother's womb. I loved you. I created a plan for you. 
Yeah? And we walk away from it, but God doesn't. And so he, he, that's the way he deals with us. It's amazing. Okay, we've got to move on. Running out of time. So love is the motivation. So who? We've done what? Who can prophesy? Paul says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy, verse 5. You can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged, verse 31. Quite simply, prophecy is open to everyone. It's not exclusive, nor is it imperative. What I mean by that is that there's no, there's, God doesn't demand that you prophesy. It's not a rule. It's not a get the stick out and make prophesy. No. He says, I I would that you all prophesy if you want to. No demand. No, no. It's one of the things I love about this church. That's the spirit of this church. No prisoners. You know, it's there's no demand. It's just come and and do and add. And and so who can prophesy? Anyone. You, You know, you don't. You don't have to go home and practice the far-off look in the mirror. So, you, you know, let's debunk that one straight away. Okay, you don't have to. And we're going to move on, and I'll probably come back to that a little bit later on. Because, see, one of the things that I want you to go away from today with is, I can do this. Number one, I'm allowed to. Number two, I can do it. It's not as hard as I first thought. I'm so glad he's done, dealt with that looking out to, into the distancing because I never felt comfortable with that. That's how it made me look. And um, so, okay, when, when and where? When there's an opportunity to speak life. Think about it. When is there an opportunity to speak life? Pretty much done anywhere, isn't it, really? You know, you can run into someone and they can be having a really bad day and you can cheer them up and just begin to speak life into them and you know in my experience I found that sometimes tomorrow might be better today's bummer but <laughs> praise God only 24 hours and then it all starts again and what what was it that Anne of Green Gables said tomorrow is new with no mistakes in it tomorrow's a new day with no mistakes it's a clean slate we go to bed sleep Eight hours, four if you've been on night's, night's street safe. And um, God wipes it clean and says you can start again today. So whenever uh, there is opportunity, church is a good place. Especially once we've debunked the whole spiritual thing and the staring off into the distance. Because that's really off-putting when you're talking to somebody in the foyer. You know. <laughs> not quite as off-putting as, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> that's really off-putting. Especially, especially to the visitors, you know. And especially if you, you have the hers. For God would say, yeah. <sighs> See, you're all laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, so church and cell groups are a great place. And uh, because it's a safe place. And, and when we're doing something that we're not sure of, we want to be doing it in a safe place. Not a dangerous place, amen? We want to do it, you know, uh, we want to do it in one of those places where someone's got our back and our front and our sides and and protecting us. And so, uh, you know, there's an opportunity in the the church for it to be assessed, for it to be tested. We're going to talk about that in in a little while when we get to the next slide. 
But, you know, anywhere, what, what, what do we do with prophecy? Is, is the person credible? You know, now that's, that's a 90 percenter. Because I've met some real loonies. That, <laughs> I'm serious, like on medication loonies. That, that God has used to, to, just to drop a word. So I'm careful when I say that, you know. Is the person credible? Uh, some of the time. All of the time, you know, whatever. Um, does it resonate with my situation? See, when somebody's giving you a word of prophecy, it should resonate with something, you know, you, you shouldn't be there staying, looking for somebody else. It should resonate with you. And, and the, the last thing it should do, and, and, and we should develop this more, I reckon, it sh- it should, there should be a witness of the Spirit within us. Now, what that simply is, is I've been in a situation where people have said something to me that, that didn't resonate with my situation, but resonated with the Spirit of God within me. In other words, when it was being said, it felt like it was right. It was like God wasn't doing the, you know, the, the churning of the stomach thing? You know, I find that when, when something is not right... There's a, there's a churning of the stomach. The Spirit of God is impressing upon you that, hey, this is not me. This is not me. This is not me. And sometimes that can even be something that aligns with your circumstances. But there's something about it that God says, no, just put this one to the side. Okay? So when, where, anywhere. Anywhere that you can think where you can encourage someone. Bless them. Pick them up. Okay, why? Why do we prophesy? Because we love the church. The one who prophesies speaks for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. The one who prophesies edifies the church. If you love the church, you'll want to edify it. You'll want to build it up. You'll want to make it strong. Whether we're talking about the whole church, the congregational church, or whether we're talking about individual members of the church, you if you love it, you'll, you'll be looking for opportunities just to drop a God word into their heart, you know, because you never know. And uh, I think I've told you the story about the stupid prophet. Uh, the, I, told, I think I've told you this story, haven't I? Because that's one of the other things that happens when you're nearly 60. You can't remember who you've told stories to. Um, my wife says that, that all the time. I've heard that story before. Okay. Uh, but... We, we were in Thailand at, at, at doing some, some kind of revival-style meetings in the, in the 90s, and there was a, a, a lady there, and uh, to be honest, <laughs> the Thai people kind of all look the same to me, you know? And so I'm not real good at telling them apart. And, and I'm, I'm sometimes like that with Australians, so it's not a racist thing. It's just I'm not real good with, with people's faces and stuff, you know, because I tend to forget what they look like. And um, so... I, at the end of the meeting, this lady was coming and standing in the line and I just kind of went over and began to pray for her and pray for the baby that was in a womb and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I felt, felt, I thought that that's what God gave me to say and I just sort of moved on. I was standing at the, at, at the end of the meeting, just kind of standing by myself and my friend came up and said, uh, you, you thought that was joy, didn't you? And I went, uh, yeah. You know, Thai lady, short, dark hair, brown eyes, glasses. They both had short, dark hair, brown eyes, glasses. I said, yeah, I I thought that was her. And she said, "Uh, no, well, it wasn't. 
And that's, that's, her name's Wanar. And Wanar and her husband have been trying for years to have kids. And it's like, oh, God. You know, beam me up. I want to go home right now. But Sam, their son, is now, I think, about 18 and going to university. Because when I came back a year later, they had a baby. I don't understand that stuff. And I came to the conclusion, God, I'm willing to look stupid if you can do that every day of the week. You know, and um, trust me, I am not a look off into the distance kind of guy. It, it was like I thought I'd really blown it. But, you know, God was good. He works all things together for good. Hallelujah. Because the love you, you love the church, you want to prophesy. You want to build her up, stir her up and cheer her up. Amen? Because every day of our lives, we need building up, stirring up, and cheering up. Okay. Next one. The how. I never put this on the front screen. I'm cheating. But, you know, I thought I'd want to tell you how a little bit so that you didn't go away and think, well, that was nice, but how? Well, (laughs) that's the hard part because we're such individuals that God gives us stuff differently. You know, my, some people get dreams. I don't get dreams. I just don't. You know, I don't get spiritual dreams. I get more pizza dreams, you know, the <laughs> weird ones. You, we, you start to try and make them spiritual, but they're just weird. Some people get words. This happens a lot to me. You'll get a word. You know, just a word, somebody... I remember we, we were having a cell group a couple of months ago and um, Kylie, Kylie uh, Dimmick, God just spoke to me wisdom. And, you know, as, as it dropped into my heart, I, I, I thought about it. I said, yeah, this girl's really wise. I mean, she's, she's... You could miss her. She's a little blonde-headed girl, quite petite. But I, I was staggered by sometimes... Some of the things she said were just sensible and wise. And so I just said, you know, God, God's really made you wise and sensible. And that, that kind of blessed her. So sometimes it's just words. Sometimes it'll be a vision. You'll literally see something. Like, it's like, you know, your eyes are open. And be, be, maybe that's what they're staring off into the distance. I don't know. But it's like you, you see something over somebody's life. I remember um, there's a, a preacher, I think it was uh, John Wimber. Years ago, was on a flight from somewhere to somewhere in America. And, you know, you sit on a plane and you look around and he looked at the guy sitting there across the aisle from him and he, he had adultery written across his forehead. Now, it wasn't a tattoo, you know, because it's not the one you'd, you'd fess up to, you know, you'd have something else there. And, and um, he, he just looked, you know, it was one of those blink the eyes to make sure, you know, you're just not tired. And it's still there. So he, he said, um, he leaned across and said, I, I need to speak to you about your girlfriend. And the guy just about died in the seat. And he said, can you, can you come to the first, first class lounge with me? Uh, and when he got there, he realized, he, John found out that the reason why they went to the first class lounge, because the woman sitting next to him in the plane was his wife. And she didn't know about, she, you know, she hadn't read the adultery thing, you know. And... Um, and, and he led the guy to the Lord through that situation. So it's all kind of different stuff. And that, that, that's never happened to me. And I'm not sure that I'd really be game enough to say uh, something if it did. But there you go. 
impressions, sometimes songs. And as I said earlier, God can use us in spite of ourselves. This is, this is simple. And I really believe it's simple. And I really believe that God wants to use all of us. And so he does it at this simple level. He'll just give us a word. And, and as we become uh, brave enough just to take a little step, you know, uh, in Thailand. See, I've tried to develop my life like that. It's not, it's not um, super spiritual. It's just that I found that God never lets me down. You know, and so in Thailand they'd always say, "Steve, have you got a word?" And I would never say no. Uh, at that particular point in time, uh, no, I didn't have a word, but I knew God did, and I knew He was inside me. So therefore, I'm spiritual, and so I'd say yes. And in that that moment between me saying yes and them them saying their next thought, I'm going word word please, like a word. Little help here, little word. Come on, just a word, and and something would drop into my heart, and it usually would be either either a word or it would be a, a part of a scripture, and I go, okay, got that. Take a step forward. Uh, let's open our Bibles to um, whatever the verse was, and uh, we we might read the whole chapter. Now that's that's preacher for I've only got one bit, and reading the whole chapter is going to give me some space. To find the next bit, you know. But it's a little bit like that. As you trust God with with a word or with a, with something, an impression, you know, God's speaking to me about maybe kindness. This morning, God showed me something for Lisa. It's just a simple thing that that God saw her in her mother's womb when he when he wove her together, and He's not changed His mind about what He saw and what He dreamt for her. Now, in our lives. Don't we? we? We layer all kinds of complications and rubbish and junk that, that, that hinder God from doing what he originally planned. It's called sin. But it doesn't change God's mind. And, and if we'll work with him, he's happy to just unpack it and pull it out and take it away and get back to that original dream. So that's, that kind of has it, it works on an individual level. And see, the motive is, if you love the church, you'll want to do it. You, you know, you'll go from sitting in the meeting, sitting in church, sitting on the bus, thinking about something else, to go, God, I want to, I want to do this. I, I forgot to tell you something. When we were first married, my wife had a serious addiction. I, I feel a certain freedom to share this with you today because she's not here. <laughs> but... Um, some of you are about my age. Where's Jen Purcell? Is Jen here today? Because we, we, do you remember that Cadbury's used to have win two hundred thousand dollars on their blocks of chocolate? Do you remember that? We we probably spent about ten thousand dollars, um, <laughs> try, trying to win those two hundred thousand uh, dollars from the chocolate. But because she was a serious addict, she used to hide it. And she used to work on a Saturday morning. So while she was at work on Saturday morning, I would do one of those FBI things on the house. You know, where you turn the lounge over and you cut the back out and look in there. You take the drawer out. You feel underneath the drawer for stuff, masking taped underneath. Because I eagerly desired that chocolate, I left no stone unturned in the house. 
until I found it. And then we had to go out and get another block because there was no $200,000 token in that one. (laughs) But see, when we eagerly desire something, we have a, we have a, a motive, a, a, a pressing on us not to sit still. We have a desire. I love the church, man. I, I, I want to bless them. I, I love my soul group. I want to speak something. I don't want to be a big man. I'm not going to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, because I know that that's right, because I could make a mistake. So I'm just going to say, you know, I was thinking about you the other day, and, and God just gave me this word, this one word, and uh, I just wanted to share it with you. And I, you know, just if it's not doesn't resonate with you, just forget it. But but if it's if it, God does something, just be blessed by it. And so you, you just share it. And so that that takes us to the next the next one. How the importance of pastoral oversight. I can't stress this enough. If you find pastoral oversight who are willing to protect you and to let you walk through this, you have found a treasure that's higher than rubies worth more than gold seriously because they stress good pastoral oversight stresses the non-mystical aspect you know it says come on come on folks let's be real we're not we're not going to do this stuff it's not going to make you spiritual we just want to bless people they'll, they'll stress that it's not exclusive they'll be encouraging everyone to have a go you know come on we can bless one another uh, and they'll understand the fallible nature of it Okay, so there's checks and balances. And so if we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in the New Living Translation, it says, verse 19, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit and do not scoff at prophecies. You know, I had a guy tell me once, prophecy's not for today. And I said, what, we don't need to be blessed today? We don't need to be built up today? What's, What's happened? He said, no, 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 no. The Bible says, when the perfect comes... We, that's done away with. Yeah, yeah, I get that. What's the perfect then? And he said, oh, it's the Bible. The Bible's the perfect. We don't need prophecies anymore because we've got the Bible. And I said, yeah, but that verse also says that in that day when the perfect comes and prophecy's done away with and tongues will cease and all that sort of stuff's finished, it says that you will, be, you will know just like you are known. So tell me. Do you know God as good as he knows you? Anyway, well, 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 that's impossible. I said, okay, the perfect hasn't come yet. We can still do it, you know. Great heaven, great heaven oversight that says, come on, let's, let's do this stuff the Bible says. Don't scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. Test everything and hold on to what is good. What does that tell you? Hold on to what is good. What does that tell you right there? Some of it may not be. Some of it may be, you know, I've got to confess, I'm a meatitarian. I believe that if it's green, it's garnish. <laughs> Seriously. And, you know, it's only there to embellish the meat, to make it look nicer. So you feel healthy by eating it. You know, we were at the, the party last night and the girl said, what would you like? She said, we've got pork, lamb, chicken and beef. And I said, yep. <laughs> Just load it up. Don't give me none of that vegetables. Takes up space on the plate. 
But sometimes, sometimes we take the good thing that God gives us and we want to embellish it with some fancy word or some idea that we think might be good. So the Bible says, test it all, examine it carefully and hold fast to that which is good. Okay, uh, perspective, perspective. Prophecy is not an end in itself. You know, when we understand that the gifts of the Spirit are not an end in themselves, they're not meant to make us glorious or spectacular, they're meant to equip God's people for works of service so the body of Christ might be built up. And my friend Adam's going to unpack that for you tonight. But it's just simply a tool that God puts in in our hands. Now, can you imagine that we had some work done in our house and every day... The carpenter brought his hammer. He had you know, one of those sort of saws that was on a bench and he used to unpack that every day. He, he brought them all. He had screwdrivers. He had tools that I didn't even know the name of. I said, what's that? And he told me. And I went, oh, really? I didn't know what it was, but I acted like I did. Um, you know, can you imagine him showing up to the work and all the stuff's there, but he's got no tools to do anything with it? You know, because he's got nails, he's got wood. <clears throat> Dude, how are you going to get the nail into the wood? I don't suggest you fire it. It, it hurts, you know. How are you going to do this? No, he, he comes with his tools. And in the same way, God gives us tools to use to build a church and to bless it. And so don't scoff at it. Don't, you know, don't think it's, it's dumb. Don't think it's not for you. It is. Have a perspective that God has given it to you. To help his people. 